always, always start my day with Boyer's Coffee. I get it delivered right to my house. Get the K-Cups. Man, it's great. Got the Sumatra lately. They have so many wonderful flavors. Go to boyerscoffee.com. Check out all of their terrific flavors. And they always have uh, new stuff uh, for your perusal. And as I've told you on many occasions, it, it'll be at your house within 48 hours once you make a couple of clicks uh, online. They have been brewing coffee at altitude since 1965. And it is consistent. It is smooth. It's uh, a great way to start your day. It's a great way to finish your day, as I do many times. And you know I get Boyer's Coffee every night as I'm calling ball games at Coors Field. So... Make sure you do the same. You can find it in your local grocery stores, but you can also uh, order online where it's really simple at boyerscoffee.com. Simply outstanding since 1965. Steel products, they are the best. S-T-I-H-L. I love telling you stories because I run a lot, right, about um, passing somebody doing work in the street and they have a steel product. It happened to me yesterday as I'm running through Beverly Hills. I thought I'd drop that on people, you know, so um, way out of my league, but I'm but I'm running through, you know, all these gazillion dollar homes and I pass a guy who is doing some shrubbery work and he's got a huge blower on his back and it was a steel product because they have products for the pros and they also will outfit all of you out there. So whether it's a chainsaw, a trimmer, a blower, a lawnmower, you got to check out their enormous array of great products. They're worldwide. And in our country, there's more than 10,000 dealers. So there's one right around the corner from you. SteelDealers.com, S-T-I-H-L, or SteelUSA.com. Check out all of the products they have that are going to help you make your house Beverly Hills worthy. How about that? Steel, S-T-I-H-L. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, some honest analysis on the Rockies' 2022 campaign. The only way you can describe this season is it was a huge disappointment. Our special guest, Charlie Blackman. Right now, this moment today, as we sit here, like we've got, we're missing a lot of pieces. How is Chuck approaching these later years in his career? The ability is going to be there. It's just, you know, what does it look like further down the road? But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to be competitive and be a productive player. And with the rocky season over, what in the world is Drew going to talk about, you ask? Are you kidding? We're going to get more into football, quite a bit of football uh, coming up, because you know I'm not talking about baseball just 12 months a year. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a buddy. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. All right, welcome in, everybody. Thank you for joining the podcast. This is number 170. 170, and it also marks the end of the 30th Rockies baseball season. The Rockies season comes to a close. Next year will be the 30th anniversary season, but this was actually the 30th year that they played baseball. And though I think most people projected the Rockies to finish somewhere around where they are right now after 162 games, the Rockies, as an organization, felt like they could contend, you know, to a player in the clubhouse. Back in spring training, they felt like if things fell right, they could contend. 
And uh, unfortunately, it didn't uh, play out that way. They got off to a really good start, 16-11 through 27 games, and things looked promising. uh, But that turned out to be the brightest moments of the season. Other than some individual performances late and the chance to look at some rookies, and we'll get to uh, some of that in a moment. But overall, the only way you can describe this season is it was a, it was a huge disappointment. The Rockies did not play well. Um, even some of the things historically that they have done well, this was not a good representation of those items. For instance, defense. One of the poorest Rockies defensive teams I can ever remember seeing. And normally that's that's something the Rockies do well, particularly infield defense. But uh, overall, the Rockies' defense w- was one of the worst defenses in baseball uh, this year. Offensively, uh, most years, not all years, but most years, the Rockies have been somewhat prolific, uh, especially at home, hitting home runs. As you know, that didn't really occur this year. I'm not going to break everything down and, and itemize it as to why the Rockies were a bad team. You watched it. Um, you, you probably left it at some point, uh, but you were, if you're listening to this podcast, you're aware of, of where the Rockies were deficient and uh, the many issues that they have to address going into the 2022 offseason in preparation for 2023. Not that you can uh, address everything, not that you can uh, change things overnight, but this team was not good and also there was no great sex appeal to them and I think back to some other uh, seasons where the Rockies didn't win a lot of games and and lost 90 plus and there always seemed to be something exciting about them they hit a lot of home runs or they were really good at Coors Field or they had um, a, a couple of players that you you never wanted to miss there at bats, like a Carlos Gonzalez or or, or Troy Tulowitzki. Uh, the Rockies, in large measure, were devoid of that this year, which which made it such a tough season um, to endure for the fans, uh, for the players in the clubhouse, for the for the people in the front office, for the coaches and the manager. Uh, it, it was a most difficult season. The Rockies do finish strong playing against the Dodgers, and especially the four final starts between uh, going through game 161, where you got a really good final start from Kyle Freeland, who I thought had a solid year. I thought Kyle was solid. Herman uh, Marquez, who probably you'd have to characterize it as a disappointing year. Good on the road. He had a low three ERA on the road, but over six at home where traditionally he'd been good. Didn't strike out players at the same rate, uh, but at least Herman finished strong. Six innings of one run and one hit baseball against a a really good Dodger lineup, obviously. Uh, And then Jose Arana, who's making a convincing argument to bring him back if you can because it's so hard for the Rockies to acquire pitching. Um, and in really seven of his last eight starts, pitched pitch pretty well. And uh, so, so those were positives at the very end. And then there were all the young guys that they were able to indoctrinate to the big leagues, which I think is going to help them next year um, assuming guys like Michael Tolia, Ezekiel 
Tovar, Sean Bouchard, uh, those three in particular are, are big leaguers from Jump Street or, or close to Jump Street because you hope that they are part of the solution moving forward. When I talk about solution, I'm talking about a team that can contend. I'm not talking about a team that you know wins 80 games. I'm talking about a team that, that can contend legitimately in such a competitive division to go to the postseason. And the fact that the Rockies were able to not only get a look-see at those guys, but have those guys understand what it's like to, as I've said before, to be in a big league clubhouse, to travel as a big leaguer, to see big league pitching, to see big league competition night in and night out. Um, over the last month, I think that was invaluable um, and hopefully proves to be invaluable for those guys um, as we embark on on 2023. And since we're talking about the, the young guys, I, I want to mention Sean Bouchard. Because in the case of Michael Tolia, he was number one pick out of UCLA. Sean Bouchard was two years older, was a ninth round pick. Ninth round picks, you know, occasionally they make the big leagues. They don't have the same fanfare as a number one. In the case of Ezekiel Tovar, he has shot up all of the uh, lists that uh, evaluate not only players in each organization, but but throughout the game, and, and Ezekiel Tovar is listed among the top couple of Rockies prospects, but also nationally, as we've talked about, uh, he is, uh, you know, a top 20 or top 25 player, uh, according to, you know, Baseball America, according to uh, ESPN, MLB.com. And so the fact that he got some at-bats and got to see what it's like, really important. But I want to go back to Sean Bouchard because Sean Bouchard has always just been a guy that's kind of moved up and and done some nice things, but nobody knew a lot about him. I'll be honest, I didn't know a ton about Sean Bouchard. And then he shows up in the big leagues. And what did we learn? He understands the strike zone. In this day and age where you want guys who can get on base, where the walk is is valued more so than ever before. It's why Juan Soto is going to get you know such a hefty contract, why he had the chutzpah to turn down $450 million. Because he can flat out hit, he hits with power, but he walks. So his on-base percentage is out of this world. Well, Sean Bouchard, he walks. He understands the strike zone. He does not expand. Well, what is added to the appeal, and I understand it's September slash early October baseball, and you know, 50, 70 at bats does not make somebody a superstar. But Sean Bouchard has shown that not only does he understand the strike zone, but he has a game plan at the plate, and he's thrown out a bunch of doubles now. Uh, he's thrown out some home runs, and He's probably been, even with Tovar being here and Tolia being here, Sean Bouchard's probably uh, been the most pleasant story of the final several weeks of the season. And you can see him being, you know, a, a, a fairly significant piece going forward. Because if he can continue to get stronger and can be a 20 plus home run guy, and not just a high on base guy, because if he's going to play a corner outfield spot, he's got to hit the ball over the wall. And it's also 
uh, a big issue for the Rockies. The other thing, in addition to Sean Bouchard, as we talk about overall, as we and we're going to continue to break down the season over the coming weeks. We're going to get more into football, quite a bit of football uh, coming up, because you know I'm not talking about baseball just 12 months a year. Um, but one of the things that, that this year showed, and, it, and it's disappointing, is that the Rockies don't have an identity right now. Even in some of their poorer years, they slugged, and you knew if you went into Coors Field, heck, they may hit five home runs, and they may beat you 13 to 12. The Rockies don't have any identity right now, and they have to get that back. And you hope it it happens on the offensive side in particular. They have to hit more home runs. And you say, okay, well, that's great. That's obvious. How does that happen? Well, it happens with the emergence of young young players. I think Zach Bean at some point next year is going to be in the big leagues, off to a great start in the Arizona Fall League. Went four for four in one of the first games in the Fall League, including a home run. And they can't be afraid going forward, this front office, of maybe changing or altering how they've done business in the past and not being afraid to make a deal with, maybe even one of their young players or a couple of their young players to get another arm or two in maybe somebody who's close to the big leagues but not there yet. Think of a Herman Marquez type of arm when he was with Tampa Bay because they don't have enough starting pitching and starting pitching depth and and guys that can be star levels. Freeland is such a great competitor. We've talked about that over the years. Herman has the most talent in that rotation and hopefully can return to where he is striking more guys out and is more consistently dominant. But you need someone else. And right now, they have some guys that they're excited about, but they're years away. They're kids that literally are teenagers right now. So they need somebody or a couple of somebodies that can bridge that gap because the whole thing with winning in any sport is everything has to match up. You can't have, well, you know, your pen's pretty good, but you don't have the offense and the starting pitching's just okay. Or the starting pitching is pretty solid, but you don't have an offense. It all has to come together at the same time to be able to have a chance to do what they did in, in 2018, for instance, where you know they were a really good team. They were equal with the Dodgers, as we know, through 162. So the front office, I think, has to approach things um, in, in a different way this offseason than perhaps they have in the past. And there's no magic wand where you're going to all of a sudden go from, you know, being a a team that, you know, lost in the mid 90s to flipping it around and, and becoming a 95 win team. Can you make a significant move forward? Absolutely. We've seen it with teams before. And it's silly to try to guess as to where they'll be next year because you don't know the roster they're going to put out there. Um, but I did want to touch on on a few of those things. And, and the one thing is you want to get an identity back. And you'd like it to be on the offensive side. 
by the very nature of where they play. You want teams, pitchers in particular, to fear coming into Colorado because the Rockies are going to put up a ridiculous number on uh, on many a night. And that threat hasn't been there um, at the level we've seen it in the past this year, clearly. And some of that offense, we know they're going to be drop, they're going to drop off, but some of it has to start to rear its head on the road. They can't be dead last in home runs on the road next year. They can't be dead last in runs scored on the road next year. So a couple of thoughts there. I do want to mention uh, Sean Bouchard, though, because he has been impressive. Staying in baseball, so we know um, what the matchups are going to be in the first round. And um, some of you may listen to this after uh, the wild card round has taken place, but uh, we'll see just how I do. So I'll start with the American League. Uh, Tampa and Cleveland in that first round with the Yankees waiting. Uh, Cleveland's had a great year. Uh Tito Francona should be the American League Manager of the Year. They're fun to watch. Uh, Jose Ramirez, most underrated player probably in baseball. They run really well. I, I still like Tampa, though. I, I like Tampa to take on the Yankees uh, in the in this in the NL or excuse me in the AL Division Series, and I like the Yankees over Tampa between the division rivals. Seattle and Toronto. Seattle's a great story. They end the twenty-one year drought. I think they get by. Toronto in round one, then they face Houston. Houston's too deep. Lineup's too deep. Verlander and Valdez heading up that rotation. And that's why I like Houston to come out of the American League. I like Houston and the Yankees again in the uh, ALCS with Houston representing the American League. On the National League side, which I, I see far more of, the Phillies get in. They take on St. Louis. Uh, St. Louis has had one of those storybook years, led by Albert Pujols' uh, renaissance in the second half of the year. The Phils sneak in somewhat. They have a great pitcher in Aaron Nola, but I'm going to take the Cardinals with, with Nolan, with Goldschmidt, with that lineup. Adam Wainwright can still be a handful. I'm going to take the Cardinals. And then they're going to have to take on the Atlanta Braves, and Atlanta's too deep. They're far better, far better than they were a year ago when they won the World Series after capturing 88 wins during the regular season. They've added a rookie in Strider, who's a dominant arm. The Rockies know that firsthand. He struck out 16 Rockies uh, several weeks ago. And they have Michael Harris, Jr., who's one of the best rookies to come along in a while. In fact, he, he's hit third in the Braves lineup at times, and he's a rookie. Those two guys those two guys weren't there last year when they were the last ones standing. So I like Atlanta, and, uh, you know, good matchup in the wild card round. San Diego has to go east to play a Mets team that has to be thoroughly disappointed. Uh, they didn't win the NL East when they led throughout the entire uh, season. They got caught by the Braves. Uh, teams bounce back. I know people say, oh, man, you know, it's so devastating, and they can't recover. Teams recover. Baseball players are resilient. They can be disappointed and play horrendously one day, and, and the next day they play the game right. L- look, though, further than the Rockies, who I, we know are not a great team, but the Rockies played two miserable games Friday and Saturday in L.A., and then, you know, they rolled over the Dodgers and, and played great baseball. So uh, I, I think the Mets, again, are tough out when you have DeGrom and Scherzer. So I think they get by San Diego. Um, The big key for the Mets 
is Starling Marte. Is he able to play when they match up with the Dodgers? And if he is, they're going to give the Dodgers all they want. But I'll lean toward the Dodgers there. Dodgers in Atlanta in the NLCS. And I like Atlanta coming out of it. I like Atlanta in Houston again in the World Series. And I like Atlanta to repeat. And we have not seen a repeat world champion in years. But that's uh, that's my breakdown and my prediction for what it's worth in the postseason in... Um, 2022. Crazy. All right, my guest this week, my Ideal Home Loans guest this week is Charlie Blackman. He needs no introduction. He's been the longest tenured Rocky. He is, I think, still wildly popular with fans. Uh, I, I think they love his passion. I think they love his character. I think they love his beard. I think they love everything about Charlie because Charlie goes to the beat of his own tune in his head. And Charlie is two different people, man. I've said this many times. He's Charlie at the ballpark. He is so locked in, even with teammates, that you just, you're careful when you talk to him um, or when you address him at all. And then there's Charlie away from the ballpark who's got a little happy-go-lucky to him. Uh, He's got a love of life, a love of nature, a love of learning, um, and he's a fascinating guy. He's two different guys, though, and he'd be the first to, to probably admit that. He's a guy I always enjoy visiting with. I think you're going to enjoy this interview with, uh, with Charlie as we wrap up his 12th season in the big leagues. The one and only Chuck Nasty. Let's just start overall. When you look at where the club is right now, do you go, man, so frustrating? Or, or how do you assess it in your own mind as, as typically you get ready to play every day? Um, you know, I think, it's, I think it's tough right like right now, this moment today as we sit here. Like we've got, we're missing a lot of pieces from our lineup. Uh, you know, Rodgers isn't in there. Uh, we're, we're missing Chris Bryant, which is... You know that that kind of changes our lineup. Not having him in there, um, you know, I'm I'm not going to be in there today. So I think I mean I think that just changes things when you're looking at you know a handful of your top hitters not not being in the lineup. When you look at where you've been, because you've been here a long time, 17, 18, really good years, postseason years, 18, closest the club's ever coming, ever, ever come to winning the division. Um, do you feel like, hey, we can get back there? It doesn't have to be a, a long process, or do you look at it differently? Yeah, I think there, that's certainly uh, possible, right? Like, I, I think I think there's some organizations that are just – going to consistently be able to have the the best players due to just they're they're signing more of those guys and then there's you know teams that i think have to be a little more deliberate with how they plan things out and i think that's kind of what we are but um but i i certainly don't think it's out of the realm of possibility because if you look at teams for example the giants last year were historically good and they just I mean, I think they got they caught lightning in a bottle, right? They signed a bunch of one-year contracts, and those guys went out and played amazing. You know, uh, Di Scalfani on the mound, uh, Alex Wood had a great year. You know, um, 
all of their guys had career years. Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, uh, career years at the plate with homers. And, and this year it's largely the same team, right? And they aren't nearly as good as they were uh, last year. So I think, I mean, I think it's just, you know, that's why you play the game, right? The Rockies are a good team if everybody plays well. Uh, but a lot of teams could say that, you know, and I, th- I think I think we certainly have a little bit more of a health component historically than other teams do, too. When you look at some of the young guys and, and some of the fellas that have come up lately, do you get excited or do you say, OK, got potential, but it's a long process to becoming a day in and day out impactful big leaguer? Uh, it's you know, it's. I guess sometimes it's hard to say, right? Like every team's going to have guys in AAA that are playing well, right? And so, you know, when you when you when you look at AAA numbers, I mean, we the guys that are getting called up, their AAA numbers are amazing. Um, but at the same time, it's you know the big leagues is such a big jump from AAA. It's it's really hard to evaluate that until guys have significant big league at bats, right? But I will say, for you know, from some of some of the things I've seen from these guys, right? Uh, Toglia certainly seemed to play really well early. I think he's making some adjustments now. Um, you know, having out of necessity, he, he's going to have to make some adjustments. Um, better defender than I thought he was. Um, you know, Ezekiel Tovar is so young, and he looks he looks comfortable already, and he's you know gotten some hits, and he's. An athletic shortstop, you know, I'm really encouraged at, at where he's at, at, you know, considering his age, and I think he'll be a good player. And then, um, you know, even Bouchard right now, who doesn't really wow you uh, being super young or, or, you know, with crazy tools, he, he still is uh, is having a, a very polished at-bat right now, and, and his on-base percentage is really high. He's walking a lot. He's not swinging at balls. And, um, you know, I think there's some pieces there that are going to help us in the future. What do you try to impart to those guys in, in private moments? The game is really hard, uh, and, and you're not going to have success every day, right? Like, that's not realistic for most guys. Uh, but I do think you can manage the ups and downs a little bit better, right? You can you can limit your 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 valleys and try not to get too high on your peaks and and just kind of keep making your adjustments along the way um and and a lot of times it's it's a small adjustment here small adjustment there but over time i think those help you learn more about yourself and help you play more consistently when you look at your own career and you're a young guy in the grand scheme of things you're a young guy athletically people say oh man he's, he's on the other side of 35 do you feel that way? Do you look at it uh, from some sort of existential baseball side, or do you just go, "Hey, this is where I am right now, and I'm okay with that"? Um, it's you know, it definitely changes as you as you get older. Uh, the things that you deal with, the things that you think, are different than when you're younger. I mean, it's there's there's things now that I have to just live with and deal with, right? And when I was younger. You, you didn't even think of those. Um, and so this is a very soft answer I'm giving you, but I, I still think, you know, the, the ability is going to be there. Um, 
it's just, you know, what does it look like further down the road? Um, you know, I can't go out there and feel 110% uh, consistently every day. But that doesn't mean that I'm not going to be competitive and be a productive player. I think it just kind of means you've got to recalibrate your sights a little bit. Like you, you can still have quality bats and still um, help the team win and still, you know, be a good teammate. Now, does that mean I'm going to go out there and steal 40-something bases? You know, probably not. Yeah, when you, when you look at last year versus this year, I think at one point, I remember saying this on the air a bunch of times, you know, for what it's worth, you're on pace to hit, you know, 25 to 30 homers, and, and I know the season's going to end at 16. Last year, was it, it was 13. I know homers isn't everything, but you made a conscious effort. I'm regurgitating something you told me to, you know, to try to pull – the baseball a little bit more and, and, and attack pitches on the inner half. Are you pleased with what you accomplished this year? How do you assess where you are individually? I mean, no, not really. I would have liked to play a lot better. Um, I do think I adjusted to DHing pretty well. I think I, I think I spent more time feeling like I was better than the results showed. Right, like I felt like I was doing everything right, and I would you know, finally get the right pitch to swing and feel good about my swing and like just miss it or, you know, just, uh, you, you know, hit it right at somebody. Um, and, and usually it's like, Hey, you know what? I, I probably shouldn't change much. If I do the same thing again, I'll likely be rewarded. And I, I felt like I spent a lot of time in that mode and, and didn't really get rewarded for it. And so, you know, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's, bad luck you know maybe that's part of aging I, you know I don't know but there were a lot more times that I got out this year where I felt like I, I shouldn't change anything than in the past does the game bring you the same joy it did when we first saw you in Atlanta Georgia as a you know as a rookie yeah I, I think so it, it's 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 still so hard to play and so when you when you do have success it's really rewarding um, and I think it's more rewarding you know, carrying a, a a stronger role in the organization. You know, as someone who has a little more influence on younger players or uh, the offense as a whole, you know, I think uh, that makes success more rewarding for me. We'll have more with Charlie Blackman in a moment, but first, it's for Ideal Home Loans. You know, my buddy Brent Ivinson's been in business for more than 20 years. Times are tough right now. Interest rates have skyrocketed, as you know. They will come down again. Everything will come back to earth. And uh, when they do, make sure you're positioned properly and give them a call at 303-867-7000. You can give them a call right now and just kind of go on a fact-finding mission. And when you're ready, they will be there and uh, they will assist you with uh, anything having to do with buying a new home, with refinancing down the road, with uh, getting money together for a home improvement project, or maybe it's consolidating debt. And particularly right now, if it is that, you can give them a call, 303-867-7000. And again, times are difficult right now. Things have changed dramatically, but they'll change back. You know that. And Ideal Home Loans will be ready to help you out. 303-867-7000. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. It's Ideal Home Loans. Now back to more with Charlie Black. Do you realize that 
that guys, because you now are the senior statesman, and and I guess when you came up, I'm trying to think, Giambi may have been like the senior statesman. Um, is it strange all of a sudden how, how life turns and, and you're in that role? Yeah, I think so. Right, just just to see it kind of come full circle. Right, you, I remember being a young player asking, like you said, Jason Giambi a lot of questions or. I guess sometimes I would ask Todd questions, <laughs> you know, and sometimes sometimes those guys aren't very approachable. And so I and I know there's times where I'm not very approachable. So I think, uh, you know, I think I'm trying to make adjustments to help what would have been like a younger Charlie Blackman play the game. Yeah. You know, it's funny you're saying not approachable. I say and I and because I did a radio thing with you years ago and, and whatever. And I know there's like. Do you realize they're two different yous? I mean, oh, you, yeah. you, you know that, right? Like, yeah, you come here and it's like, I don't, I may nod to you, tap you on the shoulder or whatever, but you get locked in at like 115 when you arrive. Do you hear that from your wife? Uh, well, she doesn't see it a whole lot, right? Uh, you know, and even my, my good friends don't really see. It. So, yeah, it's very much like I'm either just, you know, like Charlie Blackman or I'm like the baseball player. It's, and it's, and it is very t- two very different people and um there you know there's a lot about me that changes but i think i've kind of had to find something that works for me on the baseball field and that is a very very focused and driven person who doesn't have the luxury of of giving anything away uh, i had to make the most out of everything and and you know honestly that doesn't involve uh, cutting back on my scouting time to spend more time with the media, for example. You know, like sure. there's just there's just things that to me aren't worth um, sacrificing. Um, and, and so I kind of approached the game that way, um, which, you know, I, it's worked out I for you. That, yeah, it's I mean, worked I, out really well for you. I think you. it's worked, but at the same time, like that person doesn't have a lot of free time. Um, and so, you know, on the other side of things, like that's not the person who I am day to day walking around in street clothes, uh, and it's you know it's it's not very many people that know both sides. Yeah. Um, so that's you know that's just kind of a necessity to play this game at, at a high level with so much on the line. Well, speaking of other subjects, gotta get your thoughts on certain other subjects. We were talking about this on the air because you know we've you know you know how baseball broadcasting is, even if. You're a 110-win team. You get off the beaten path every once in a while. So somehow, Spilly and I were talking the other day about getting off the grid. And I said, yeah, that's one of Charlie's favorite phrases. He goes off the grid. And I said, that means no phone, no any. And so Spilly goes, how long can you be off the grid? And I said, do I get the shower? And he goes, no shower. I said, six days. Shower longer. So... When you go off the grid, how long can you go off the grid, and what is off the grid to you? Because I've heard you say this before in the past at the end of the year. It's a lot harder now because of you know yes. dependents and significant others and whatnot. Um, back in the day, what was off the, the grid? Yeah, I mean, even even then, I, I would spend more than like a week at a time. I mean, that would be a long time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I still really enjoy. Going, going to places where you don't have service, right? Like going somewhere really cool and unique and um, and kind of unplugging and forgetting about, you know, life's day-to-day problems and, and uh, responsibilities. That's always, uh, 
a, a much needed reprieve from from the daily grind of a baseball season. When one of your buddies asks you what's the coolest place you've ever been, do you have a quick response? Uh, coolest place? Uh, yeah, like my, I mean, I'll say maybe one of the coolest things I've seen is the Sagrada Familia in Barcelona, Spain. So that was, I mean, that was really cool. But, um, but I really do enjoy being in nature, away from all the people. Uh, and especially as I age, I, I, uh, I tend to want to be around people less and less. You know what I always say? I've said this on the air. My favorite people are dogs. <laughs> yeah, my favorite people aren't even people. Um, yeah, I mean, my, I mean, I think, I think my circle is probably getting smaller and smaller. Um, which I don't think is a bad thing. I think it just means that you spend more time with the people that you care about and less time with people you don't care so much about. Yeah, I get that makes sense. Um, real quick, couple baseball things. Rules. Uh, is there one rule next year that's going to take place that you're excited about? Is there one rule you're like, what are we doing? I do think the shifting rule is going to uh, help left-handed hitters on the whole much more than than anybody else uh i am curious to see what the the how the pace of game uh changes shake out um i mean i'm not really i'm not thrilled at all how those came into being with the the unilateral implementation from major league baseball that's that's never a good thing uh so we'll we'll see how we navigate that situation what do you got on Aaron Judge and 61 homers now? Big number. You've hit 37. That's a big number. It's really hard for me to understand how at this day and age when the game is so competitive and it's played at such a high level and the difference between one player and the next player is seemingly neck and neck, uh, it's, it blows my mind that he can be that much better than everybody else. Like, who's, who's got the next most homers? Like, 20-something homers, you know, yeah, behind the guy? Schwarber's about, yeah, about 19 homers. Um, so, that, I mean, that just, I mean, that blows my mind. I can understand it, like, if the Babe hit 20 more homers than whoever hit 15 that year. Like, like that I, could, I can sort of understand a little bit better, but just how competitive the game is today it, it it's really something special to be that much better than everybody else what does dj say about him uh i don't talk to dj much i mean dj likes him you know i i like him i've met him a little bit he seems like a a guy who really respects the game and goes about it the right way and treats people well um and that's i mean that's good enough for me two thoughts in closing your your uh, box or chest of special things. Have you added anything to your box of special things? I've got about ten boxes now. They they end up uh, stuffed in a cardboard box and taped up and then thrown in the garage. So uh, I'll uh, pretty soon I'll have to go through and and uh, rediscover all of the cool things that are in my boxes. There you go. And uh, last thing. Uh, Best of luck and congratulations on your uh, latest new addition. How exciting is that? Could be a great off-season uh, present. Yes, we're we're due for a baby in October. We're very excited, my wife and I. Um, super thankful so far that everybody's healthy and developing 
uh, like they should be. So we, we hope that trend continues. All right. Good luck with the knee. Good luck putting more things in your place of special things. And good luck getting off the grid at some point. A little more difficult now. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. So, Charlie, a dozen years in, here's some numbers for you. 297 career average, 207 home runs, 709 ribbies, and he has an OPS in his career of 842. He's one of the all-time Rockies. He is one of the all-time Rockies, and uh, I'm glad he's coming back next year. And he's a guy who uh, works relentlessly on continuing to get better. He shares that um, with Todd Helton in that, I remember... Vividly, late in Todd's career, I was asking him, you know, what is he working on? And, and he and he almost, he didn't snap at me, but he said it with conviction. I'm trying to get better. And, it, you know, it, it made me take a step back thinking, here's this guy that's had, uh, you know, a Hall of Fame career and he's in his late 30s and he's clearly on the 18th green putting out and he's still trying to get better. And it dawned on me. That's why he's Todd Helton. That's why he's been great. And the same thing for Charlie. Charlie's trying to get better. Hit a few more home runs this year. Kind of got stuck on 16 where it looked like he was going to hit in the mid-20s. But Charlie's trying to get better. So even though Charlie's 36 and on July 1st of next year he'll turn 37, in Charlie's mind, he's trying to find a way to improve on what he's done the last couple of years, and I would never bet against him. So again, thanks to Chuck Nasty for uh, for spending some time. Before we get on out of here, um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the University of Colorado. They let go of uh, Carl Durrell this past week. You know, during the COVID season, which was only six games in the Pac-12, got off to a great start, went four and two that year. And then last year wasn't good, and this year just five games in, they felt like they made it. They they needed to make a change. Um, I understand that. I understand how major college football works, and I will tell you that Colorado is going to continue to spin their wheels until they make a decision as to what they want to be. And if you want to be the program that they were many many years ago, first of all you got to stop living in the past. But if you want to win at that level, you have to understand how to do that is completely different in 2022 than it was in 1990. And it's all about NIL now. It's all about having a commitment at the very top of the university, from the chancellors and the president, then down to the football offices. Because if you don't have that commitment financially, you're playing in a big boy pond and you don't have the same tools that they do. And that's where it begins. And if if you're not going to make that commitment, it doesn't matter who you hire as a coach. Because most coaches that they hire, there's a reason they hire them. They've done some good things. They have significant resumes. They come with um, a great track record or good enough track record that a lot of people are saying, hey, this guy can win. They can only win if they have the players. And they can only get the players if they have an institution that is willing to put all their chips in the center of the table 
to help with NIL because that's what it's about now. It's you're recruiting your players constantly to stay once you get them to campus. And there is a financial component beyond a scholarship, as we all know now. I'll tell you a quick story. Two mid-major programs in basketball. One of the programs has gone to the tournament recently and actually had an upset. And they play in the MAC. And they've lost a couple of players to another school in the MAC that if I told you the name of the, the school, you'd say, really? They're getting NIL money at that school? Well, not only are they getting NIL money, but the previous school that these two kids were at, were, they were getting paid like $10,000 in addition to their scholarship. Not bad for a college kid, right? Well, they went to another Mac school. I mean, obscure school. And they're getting fifty grand to play basketball there in addition to their scholarship. That's what the University of Colorado, a Power 5 program, that's what they're up against. We're talking about low to mid-major. And now you're talking about competing in the Power 5. So there's got to be huge financial commitment coming from donors, from people uh, in the community. So it goes way beyond just who the next name is that will be the head football coach at Colorado. I'm going to give you a name, and I promoted this person before, and I'll be transparent. He's a friend of mine. He's a guy I know well. He is truly a leader of men. He's a great, not a good recruiter. He's a great recruiter. He's got a tremendous track record uh, in that regard. He has ties to Colorado um, in that he grew up in Colorado, in Colorado Springs. So it's not just um, tangential um, ties. I don't know if that at the end of the day is the most important thing. Um, the interesting thing about Tony Alford, my a guy that I've championed before at Colorado State, is you know he went to CSU. I think he'd still be an outstanding candidate in Boulder because he's a winner. He's been at Ohio State for a long time. He was at Notre Dame prior to that. He knows what the best kids in the country look like. He knows how to recruit them. And then it comes down to getting the proper assistance from the university. And I know that that CU, if they're doing their due diligence, they're going to kick the tires um, significantly on Tony, who, you know, has had opportunities before. Um, he is exceptionally well thought of. And, and I hope the, that CU really gives Tony um, the look that he deserves. Uh, but I'll go back to something I said a moment ago. It's still going to come down to the university commitment. It's going to come down to Colorado trying to determine and the people that support Colorado. The boosters say, what do we really want? Do we want to compete with the big boys or do we want to just, you know, we'll play football on Saturdays, but we realize we can't compete at the upper echelon portion of, of major college football. So we'll see how it plays out there and it'll go way beyond um, the naming of the next coach. Um, it, it really will. And you gotta, you gotta pay top dollar for, for top assistance. And then kids realize, you know, that a school, um, is serious. That'll do it for this edition of the Drew Goodman podcast. As always, check out my buddy Patrick Lyons on DNBR, the DNBR Rockies podcast, and all of their programming, keeping up the speed on uh, all the teams in our region. 
we will uh, have some other interviews with uh, some Rockies going forward. We're going to get Sean Bouchard on, by the way, as well, who's, uh, you know, very, not only did he have a fascinating uh, final month of the season, but uh, he's a neat guy, and I think you'll like him as you learn more about him as well. But we'll talk more Rockies. We'll talk more football going forward. The Avalanche open up. Got to get into the Avs. They open up uh, next week, and they raise the banner. So a lot to do on uh, future podcasts over the next uh, several weeks. Thanks again for uh, hanging out with us, and uh, we'll talk to you in seven days. Stay safe. Stay well, everybody. Stay well, everybody.